Hi, this is Craig from Spam By Me. Welcome to episode nine of the You'll Never Walk Together podcast. Now, before I deep dive into it, there are a couple of issues outside of the world of football that I'd like to address. One of them mainly being the uh, Ukraine situation. Uh, Unless you've been in a coma, which you're probably better off going back in there if, if that's the case. What happened last Thursday was Russia invaded Ukraine illegally. Um, Vladimir Putin's decided to flex his muscles, uh, illegally entering a sovereign state under the pretext of denazification and de- demilitarization of Ukraine. Um, I just want to go on record and say, not that you know Putin ever listens, uh, condone them, absolutely condone the actions, and I send con- my personal condolences and Mark probably will echo that sentiment sort of thing to anyone that's been affected by these events. I know there's been Premier League players that are Ukrainian and stuff, and it's been upsetting for everybody to see the events happening all over social media and stuff like that. Um, I'd hope that it were resolved speedily and peacefully. like to keep that optimistically. Uh, it's probably going to come up in other elements and stuff of the podcast, but yeah. Um, I'd like to also start with today's code word being Ukraine, just to show that sort of bit of solidarity. And I'd like to hand you over to Mark for some more sombre news. Mark, how the devil are you? I'm good. Um, yeah, obviously we're going to deep dive into my personal crisis at my club. But before we start, I, want, I do want to echo what you said. So that's spot on from you. Um, yeah, again, it's just starts to people, not just from Ukraine, but people that are in the UK and the rest of the world, even from Ukraine. I know we've got listeners all over the place. And um, yeah, it's a sad situation. I think it's just, I don't care if we won't hear this, but one nut job against the world, it would seem. And um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I think my thoughts and prayers are with them. And yeah, it, the fighting back is all I'll say. Let's say we're not going to go into it. So we're not a, you know, we're not a political podcast or all like that. But um, yeah, just to say that the footballers that I've seen come together, the fans, there's been chance at Ellen Road on Saturday. There was the, you know, look, we, you know, Thoughts for Ukraine, anything going around the electronic scoreboard and stuff around the pitch. So, yeah, everyone's in solidarity with them, and I think it's um, a sad situation that hopefully we'll see some light eventually. But, um, yeah, appreciate sort of your thoughts on that as well, Craig, and your sentiments as well. But I do echo that and obviously lend support where we can. I know there's not much we can do Saturday, here, but, um, yeah, fingers crossed everything gets um, resolved for them in a, in a better manner than it is at the moment. Fingers crossed. And speaking of uh, nut jobs, I think we're best to start with the uh, Leeds United result against Spurs on Saturday, 26th of the second, early kickoff, 12.30. Mark, uh, I know this, gonna be, this is going to be a bit painful, ripping off the band-aid once again, or the plaster, if you're English. Yeah, I mean, to go straight into it, I think I've not got a lot to say about the game. Obviously, the events after the game, we'll talk about, you know, superseding this little review of the game, but we were shocking once again. I mean... That first 27 minutes, when we lost 4-0, just to give those again that don't know the result, um, you know, that went down as our 14th goal conceded in a week. Um, defending like absolute school kids. To be fair, that's not fair on school kids, but um, there was just no desire, no passion. None of the players seem to give a shit again. And I will keep saying that. And it's all that like I'm coming out and supporting former managers, which I'll go on to in a moment. But um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, there's just no passion there and there's no fight and... Yeah, we knew after 27 minutes, we knew it before even 27 minutes when Kane scored, we knew it were over. You know, you got to turn all down again. And the defending was absolutely awful. And again, we had a centre-half 
um, trying to pitch red a defender in Doherty that's Doherty with Doherty Docky or you're going to pronounce it in Ireland but yeah he scored he probably not scored for months before that and it's just a game isn't it you know, we, we were a shambles and um, the thing that hurt me and I guess we'll go on to it because it's a massive elephant in the room before we go on to sort of other events but during the game I'll be honest with you things started to come out and I was stood in the crowd and you had this feeling I don't know why we all felt it, but people are saying, oh, you know, Bielsa's going to go and, and this is it. This is last game and everybody knew. And I don't know how we knew or, you know, there was nothing said or done or nothing came out on social media. I know, I mean, you spoke of it when I was at the game and, well, when you can get a signal on road, that is a signal really bad. But, um, yeah, we were messaging in between us and I just, I had a feeling that something was going to happen. And then after the final whistle, I sat there for about five minutes and the stewards are telling me to leave. And I was like, you know what, mate, I'll disrespect to them. I pay your wages, pal. You know, I, I was a season ticket holder. I buy shirts for the club. I buy bloody merchandise for galore. Come to cup games. You know, my money comes in with cups. So you're not telling me I've got to get out of my seat just when I get home. So it was like, it was literally 10 minutes. I just sat there thinking something ain't right. And I looked up at the sort of West Stand where the board directors and stuff are. And you could see fans were approaching, you know, the box, the box where they sit and they were talking. They're just ignoring them. So, they, you know, for me... I don't want to ramble because it'll sound like I'm running a bit and I'm going a bit, you know, left, right and centre here with it. But what I would say to you is the board are wrong, completely wrong in my eyes. You know, obviously to sort of get it out there, everyone knows this, but Bielsa was sacked. I'm not having this bollocks about he left. He was sacked from the club. They terminated his contract. The board decided to part ways. It had nothing to do with Bielsa wanting to leave. He basically was pushed from that club and that's all I'll say. You know, the thing about this as well is for those that don't keep abreast of the situation, Victor Orta and um, Ravazani both wanted him to leave and the rumour has it that Kinnear didn't. So Angus Kinnear, who was our chief exec, reported didn't want Bielsa to go and, and there's rumours of him resigning this week. I don't know how true that is. Again, it's Twitter rumours. Who believes some guy from Twitter that thinks he's a journalist with a great blue tick on his name? But yeah, the fact was, I think we knew we were going and I talked to you then I sat down and I said, Bielsa's gone. And you were like, yeah, but where's it been confirmed? And I'm like, he's gone, mate. And I knew in my heart of hearts he'd gone and, and the rumours were sort of coming out. Straight after kick-off, I mean, talk sport, the absolute bastards that they are. I don't care who can sue me if you want. Like, we're going to listen to us. But um, they've got some absolute dross on there and I bone my hall and Jamie O'Hara that chat absolute bollocks about Leeds. And the fact that they broke it before the rest of the you know the UK did and the news outlets did would be a joke. And I think it's disrespectful to Bielsa. But um, yeah, obviously... To finish that run, he got sacked as a result yesterday morning. I was actually a linesman yesterday. Apart from refereeing duties at my fucking up this on football game, I was uh, yeah linesman for the day yesterday morning. And I was online at game and it came through on my phone again, Sky Sports News. He'd been sacked and I broke it to a few people on sidelines and we knew it was going to happen. But um, yeah, it was shocking. And what, what I want to ask Craig is before I go into, I want to reflect on Bielsa a bit. I've got a little bit to say and I want to read out a tweet that I wrote sort of give him a bit of tribute on Saturday night but what are your thoughts specifically on that game and the events that preceded it before I go into Bielsa and his time at Leeds well I'd like to summarise the Spurs game before we deep dive into Mr Marcelo um, I've got Doherty scored first goal that was his first goal for Spurs wing back to wing back Dyer couple of minutes before I think Leeds had a free kick and I think they've overcommitted on that one and they didn't get back in time um, I thought Leeds were poor at back. I think Laurenti might as well have just sat in stands because I think he were absolutely garbage. Firpo, is he good enough for Premier League? I know he played for Barcelona, but then again, Kalevsky, uh, Kulazevsky, sorry, 15th minute. Firpo wasn't strong enough. Uh, Laurenti just ran past the ball and give up. 
And then he sort of eyes keeper, didn't he, and slid it in. So this is just, just a summary of my my summary of the goals anyway. Cock it post at 2-0 down. Maybe if that goes in, it's game on. A bit more fight back, but I don't know. Kane got one on 27th. Ball floated in from Hoiberg. Everybody were out apart from Laurenti, who tracked back. Shouldn't should have left him, it'd have just been offside. Kane slotted it in from home and then at 3-0 down at half time. It's the first time I've heard it in a while. Booing at Ellen Road. Half time approaches. Comes out second half. Spurs pretty much dominated again. 85th minute, Son scored. Kane sort of half pushed somebody off. Nobody had committed to him. He pinged a ball from his own half over top for Son. Son ran in and scored. That means that they are the most successful Premier League duo in terms of assists and goals on 37 now. Um, yeah, in summary, I think it looked like Leeds had been beat before they'd even stepped out on pitch. I remember Mike Tyson used to manage to sort of psychologically get into his opponent's heads before the fight, and you knew straight away the opponent had lost. It were a bit like that for Leeds with me. I don't know if you've seen a programme called Coach Strip before, Mark. I have. Quite, well, I watch it bit... quite religiously, actually. I'm a big fan, to be honest. <laughs> well, the, the guy on that's from Leeds, weirdly enough, Brendan. But Brendan, it, it's yeah. A bit, it were a bit like, on coach trip, every season you'll see it, somebody goes in, a couple goes in, like an old couple, and they don't expect to be in it for weeks and weeks. So you'll see it after a week or two, this this couple, they sort of they give up a bit, they, they sort of want to go home, and then, weirdly enough, out of blue, somebody's work calls up and they have to sort of leave, and they, they come back on it. In the middle of like courtyard when they're doing all this voting process, and then oh, we're going to have to leave now. That's it's it were like that with me with Leeds players. They just looked like they didn't want to be there anymore, and the, the Reds were already gone. I think, regardless of that result, I think Bielsa will go in after that match. I think that was his swan song. Probably summarised how depressed Leeds were. Feel that you probably obviously you've said that you felt some sort of some that were in the air regardless, and I think probably. Win, lose, or draw. Bielsa goes after that match, and I think that was. This is your uh, your swan song, mate. This is it, it's it's sort of time. Fifty um, fifty in terms of possession. Leeds had nineteen shots and three on target, so they're just not being clinical up front, and they're not defending well at back. Ship sixty goals, which is, I think it were on par with somebody like Barnsley in ninety seven, ninety eight season. So they're not strong enough at back. Um, before we deep dive into Bielsa, I had a question to ask you, weirdly enough, and my question is, Mark, do you think Leeds overachieved last season? Yes and no. Um, not a great answer, a bit of a fence-sitting answer, but for me, we brought our brand of football into Premier League, and I think it was a bit of an unknown to clubs, so we achieved kind of what we deserved to achieve last season based on playing that style of football. Clubs weren't wise to it. A couple figured it out by end when we had that little bit of a lull, but I feel like, yeah, potentially with the players that we had and the system that we tried to play in that league, we probably did overachieve, yes. But at the same time, I think we, we tried to do something differently that you know other clubs have come into Premier League and tried to do when they've been promoted. But this season, for example, everyone knows how we're going to play. There is no, there were no plan B. So essentially, we're always going to be in bother, in my eyes. That second season syndrome's a lot of bollocks. I mean, it in because teams do struggle in the second season, but I think... More so for Leeds because Bielsa's sort of style of play had been figured out and everyone just set up, you know, to counter that and everyone knew this man-to-man play that we like to play and everyone sort of set up to counteract it. A lot of teams, you know, play two strikers at top because they know that then Bielsa sort of goes to a back three, which means that we struggle a little bit at back because we're short on numbers and we try and counter-attack, which is how we play football. So, yeah, I kind of think, yeah, we did and no, we didn't. There's, there's, there's good and there's bad. It's a good question and a very, very valid question from yourself. And I think... Um, 
yeah, I sort of say say yes and no, and I gave my reasons kind of for both those. But I think this season we're sort of getting what we deserve based on the fact we aren't adapting and we haven't adapted all season, and that's ultimately cost us, you know, as manager, end it day on it. It's it's difficult because if you set it up as Leeds overachieved last season, then this season it's probably more a realistic realistic reflection of where they should be. I, I've said it before in past. Uh, on previous podcasts that I think Leeds sort of learnt a magic trick under Bielsa in Championship and the sort of last season they came in at Premier League and they showed everybody this magic trick and everybody were amazed by it and they, they didn't know what this magic trick was but they've gone away and they've looked on YouTube and seen videos on this magic trick and then it's like, oh yeah, you know, the jig's up sort of thing and I think they've been figured out. I watched, obviously watched the match. Um, I think Ailing sort of, if you're playing man-to-man marking... Ailing were too tight on Kane, he were following him, so Kane just dropped into centre mid and then Ailing's pushed on that far into centre mid that there's gaps. So I think that the next manager that comes in, obviously he's, he's got some issues that he's going to have to address. And uh, speaking of next managers, we'll start with the one that's left, if you'd uh, if you'd like to reflect on Mr Bielsa. Yeah, that'd be lovely. I mean, it's, it's an emotional one, this, because, again, I found it hard to to think about Saturday's game, you know, you gave a really good update on that game and I was sort of just lost by it and said, you know, we were shit basically and I'd like, I would divide an emotion after the game and it could have been 15 nil Saturday but when we knew it were coming at the end of that day, I don't think anyone cared about the result, you know, I was speaking to fans around me that sitting here as hot lads and um, we were all saying, you know, something don't feel right but to sort of get away from that now, I think all I can say is that this man came into Leeds four years ago and he changed a lot of people's perceptions on Leeds United Football Club. You know, we're always seen as this sort of mid-table to sort of, you know, then becoming a, a playoff contender in, in, in Championship and never quite making it. We were an early men, you know, we're never going to get promoted because we always used to bloody bottle it. And um, I think he came back in and that first season, obviously, we were unlucky. You know, the Derby playoff speaks for itself. But I think that fueled something even more so inside him and the players to right that wrong following year and to win Championship 10 points clear or something like that. It was in the end. He's mental, you know, he sort of brought that big time back to on the road, didn't he? And he achieved what others before him had failed to do. He sort of brought exciting football back to on the road. And yes, it was exciting last season, but exciting championship. We were tearing teams apart with it. And um, admittedly, we lost players, you know, like um, Pablo Hernandez, who was, again, personally a role of mine. Alioski, that I said before, shouldn't have left when I talked about favourite left-backs. You know, there's players like that that sort of um, left us. And, and even then, we just, we just had a team that were fantastic. And I think he did a lot for this city. And... I'll be honest with you, Liverpool fans have, and again, it's not all your fans, but they've been a bit annoying the last few days, if I'm honest with you, because they're all saying, ah, with this, with that, it was crap. What I would say to, to those guys and other fans of other clubs is, if you don't live in Leeds and support Leeds United, you won't get it. And that's as simple as it is. You will not get what Bielsa did for this club. And you might think, oh, but he's taking you down this season. He's probably condemned us to, to championship again, unless something really drastically changes. But... You know, it, people don't understand what he's done. And the four years he's been at this club, I've really loved having him there. As I said, he's my granddad, Craig. I've said that to you loads of times. I'm even getting emotional now talking about him. But he was essentially a big part of, of what's happened the last four years for me for Leeds. And um, I'll never forget him. I mean, yeah, he had his moments. You know, he, he was stubborn. Stubborn as anybody old man is stubborn. And um, he refuses to change stuff. He had faith in players like Tyler Roberts. And again, Roberts is a footballer in there somewhere, mate. I know there is, but you're just not showing us it. But again, the new manager might come in and get that out of him. But um, yeah, I just think a bit of a kid. I told you about my McDonald's story, didn't I, when he went for his McDonald's of the week? 
Well, I, I mean, yeah. I've told you about the week when I did about favourite managers and he went to McDonald's at pre-season and he was just up there yesterday. Do you know, he left for parts in the evening. He was there all day. They were outside for four hours taking pictures with fans and kids and hugging them and talking to people and signing shirts. And he was just he was just a fucking wonderful bloke. And I mean, I won't even begrudge this season. And what I'll say to you, Craig, is I would much rather have gone down with Bielsa this season than a, than a sack team like they have done. And yeah, we might survive. I don't think we will, but we'll go on to that obviously in a bit. But yeah, I just feel like ride or die with Bielsa. Give him his last 12 games. Let him go out in a blaze of glory. The players, again, need to stand up, Craig, and they're not. So I think there's a lot, of, and there were rumours that some some players have turned against him. And I hope we find out who they are because I'll have no qualms. I didn't boo on Saturday, by the way. I will confirm that. I never boo club. Never leave early. I never boo the team. But if I find out who these players are, there will be some shit going their way because you can't turn on your manager like that. You know, it's end day. You might not agree with him, but for people to turn on him and start, start to needle in, in, in what's happening behind the scenes, I think it's wrong. And we've seen so many times, you lose your dressing room and you've gone out, you're like many managers have done before and after Bielsa's time. But, yeah, I just think he was wonderful. I think he was a great manager for us. I don't care what's happened this season. I still think he's a man that um, did a lot. And what I want to do with that, this is where I'll end it. I'll say tomorrow, I'll end it with a uh, council next one. Yeah, you're, uh, you're sort of breaking up there, Mark. I know there's a lot of motion involved, but are you still there? Sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, can you hear me better now? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Just, just trying your I just eyes. want to end it with reading this out. I think I just, one thing I want to read out, really, to get this across, and I wrote this tweet on Saturday night before this sort of official news broke, and it's in the exact words that I wrote was, this man, awoken Leeds United once again, restored pride back to Welland Road, and did so with some of the most exciting football we've seen for years. He'll forever be in my heart. We owe him a lot. El loco. We love you. And that's when I'm going to end it. Beautiful. Fitting tribute there. So uh, He's not died. He's just been sacked. Um, yeah, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm well enough, mate. I'll be honest with you. I'm sat here quite upset. Um, but, um, yeah, that's that's what he's done. You know, he's, he's sort of... It's emotional. I've never, ever got upset with a manager leaving. Probably Grayson a bit annoyed. His stuff on all area left. But this is the first one that's kind of hit me straight and bollocks and gone, God. So, yeah. Um, obviously, I'll go over to you because I know, again, yeah. as a neutral... And I didn't mean that against Liverpool fans. I don't think, if you're listening... I'm against you, I'm not. I've got a lot of good things to say about you as a club anyway, as I've been doing for weeks, but people don't always get it if they haven't been in club, and that's what I meant by that. I didn't mean anything about any fans, but you read stuff online and it kind of needles you a little bit, but um, yeah, what, what what do you think, Craig? What are your thoughts? Um, I've, I've sort of got a more comedic slant on it, if I'm being honest. I don't sort of want to kick anybody that's a Leeds fan while they were down, but I genuinely think you were less upset, Mark, when your dad left. <laughs> it's, uh, I didn't mean that as like a bad joke, anyway. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I didn't realise, I, I drove past Ellen Road yesterday and it was like, there were morning in the air, not like morning because it was like afternoon, but everybody were morning. I didn't realise that it was sort of Leeds' answer to uh, Princess Diana, like the, the grief and the, the people crying and stuff. I sort of, I like to use analogies a lot and um, I sort of likened Leeds to like a middle-aged divorcee when Bielsa took over. Nobody particularly wanted him, nobody could really do much with him. And he sort of gave him that confidence, a bit of belief back in himself, put a glass of red wine down, turned off um, turned off the, the records and stuff like that, turned Fleetwood Mac off, right, you're not listening to that anymore, right, you can dress a bit better, you know, them jeans are frumpy, they're not flattering to your figure. Give him a bit of confidence, and then he brought them back up. And then it's in terms of, like, relationships, it's sort of, it's not me, it's you, sort of. He, he hasn't got the capacity to change, and I know... You've you've previously mentioned that he is stubborn, but he's stubborn to a to a T. 
I know it's a Premier League's like ridiculously hard league to adapt to, and if you're not willing or able to adapt to it, then it, it might bite you back in ass. Again, a lot of blame's been laid at Bielsa's door, and I don't particularly think that that's fair or right because it's the players that are showing up, you know. It's the players that are on there that are getting no wage every week. Um, personally, for me, I think Lorente were absolutely garbage, and he has been for a little while. Um, I've spoke previously about Tyler Roberts. Don't get me wrong, on a professional and a personal level, did annihilate me on any sort of football park, five-a-side, full-length, you know, 11v11, then absolutely white floor with me. I are a professional footballer, and I don't claim to be. But their attitude, they did sort of give up. Um I know they've been linked with Road Dog Jesse James from WF, WWF or <laughs> Jody Marsh. Uh, I'm not sure. Not particularly looked into who they are looking at in terms of replacement. But I hope from uh, a neutral perspective, a slightly biased Leeds neutral perspective, that it's not like, you know, like when a couple breaks up and they just have a bit of a rebound thing. I hope it ain't one of them. I, I hope he's not just a rebound manager and he's got the right skill set and mindset and like you said Bielsa and Leeds there's sort of a bit of a symbiotic relationship a bit like with Klopp and Liverpool um, if you're not in there then you, you, you obviously can't see it and you can't feel it and stuff and it's it's sort of more than football um, I know there's street name I think it's Bielsa away in Leeds City Centre now there is yeah so he's, he's born the Muriels as well City. there's a couple of good Muriels around with him and stuff like that so yeah they'll be, they'll be there but I think there's going to be a permanent thing apparently Bard have given us that you know thank you for you know your support Bard and giving us that present but there's apparently going to be a permanent sort of memorial to him so I imagine it'll be a statue of some sort they'll go in that legend square or something like that but yeah yeah, there'll be there'll be a permanent reminder but I think they're just trying to up his fans a little bit like I said Bard are on my list they sent me an email yesterday saying do I want to personalise a shirt I'll buy some sweatshirts and stuff and I thought, mm-hmm, unsubscribe from that for now. So I can't be asked pumping more money into your club when you're not giving your fans any honesty. But um, yeah, again, I ran on, don't I? <laughs> well, Leeds are back on Tinder now, aren't they? You know, when you break up and you go back on Tinder and that other one, that plenty of fish one, that's what Leeds are doing. They're, uh, well, well I'll update Tinder. you on this manager, I think, because I think you, you, you've alluded to it and it's a great point to, to sort of do it before we move on to, you know, the red side of the podcast because you do need to have some say in your own team today. But um, I can try. Yeah, in regards to uh, the new manager, it's looking very likely to be Jesse Marsh who to give him sort of I'm not going to go into his bio you know his, his Wikipedia bio with you but I know a little bit of him from MLS because I used to follow MLS as I've told you before so I've seen him sort of managing MLS um, you know he was um, he was at sort of Salzburg in Austria won domestic back-to-back doubles with them but again it's Austrian league so take from that what you want if I'm honest with you he then went to Bundesliga with Leipzig obviously transferring from one Red Bull club to another in the franchise Lasted five months in the job there before getting canned, and I believe he left them at eleventh in league, um, Leipzig. And Leipzig now are a good side. You know they're uh, still in Champions League. You know they're sort of progressing very nicely, aren't they, as a club? So yeah, his pedigree is not top dollar. But when I saw Leeds fans, and I've to, to I've seen, I, I almost gave him Twitter handles because these people need to to go see someone because the first one was let's have Big Sam in, let's not have Big Sam in. And the second one was, and I can't believe I even read this, Neil fucking Warnock. Wow. And I just thought, oh, whoever you are, there was no picture on this Twitter profile, but I thought, please go drink some bleach or something, because to even utter the words, Neil Warnock, in association, to even lace Bielsa's boots after he's gone, not having it. You know, think about Jesse Marsh as well, Craig, and again, the club aren't listening to this, so I don't really care, but if they did, who gives a shit? But 
this agenda has been driven by red by 49ers. Obviously, you own, you know, the minority, well, they own staking leagues, don't they? And they're soon to be majority owners. And they've always wanted this sort of American style, sort of it, you know, sort of influence on our club. And I believe this has been their long term replacement for Bielsa anyway. Not what the fans particularly want, but I'll still support him because if you manage my club, I'll support you. I don't care who you are. Even I could have got my support and look where that led us. But, you know, I feel like you'll get support from, 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 from team from crowd hopefully you know from fans around City there won't it won't be another BL so I don't think anybody ever will to be honest with you but if he comes in and saves us he might get a fair crack at it next year and who knows we might learn to love him but um, yeah he's probably going to be announced today at some point it hasn't broken as yet and we're recording at lunchtime on the Monday aren't we so by the time people listen to this it might have been installed as a new manager but um, they need to do it quick if they are going to because we've got a game Saturday which we'll preview on this podcast today eventually when we get to it but yeah I think that's going to happen give him a chance and let's just see where it takes us but um, the emotions are very high and obviously it's been a week from hell with the three games we've had plus the fact we lost as manager plus the fact that we're now in a relegation battle that seemingly I don't think we're going to get out of so um, yeah not a great week to be a Leeds United fan but you know I always say it's going to get better can't it it can't get any frigging worse can it let's be honest uh, well it can if we go down but yeah, um, <laughs> I'll leave it at that and obviously let you flip over to the well, uh, I've still got a little bit that I'd like to touch on still stick that extra needle on. in while you're uh, while you're already bleeding no go on uh, yeah, Merson came out and he said <laughs> Paul Merson Paul Merson came out and he said that uh, Bielz has been pulling wool over their eyes um, in terms of Leeds results you know they're clapping yeah, off brick. after losing four 0 and stuff like that. And I just wanted to yeah, ask you, Wanker, more like. But... I know you're a staunch Leeds fan, die-hard Leeds fan, but and I know you'd probably be speaking on behalf of a lot of people. And then on the other hand, there might be a lot of people that disagree with you. Do you think that Leeds fans might be a bit too loyal for their own good, like not booing and stuff? And I know you should be behind your team at all points and stuff like that. But losing four 0 losing six 0 losing to Scum sometimes you need to sort of get on the back for them to realise, you know, it ain't good enough. I know Solskjaer got the same sort of treatment. They, they didn't want him being touched and stuff. You know, they didn't want him being booed and stuff. I was just wondering if you think that at times Leeds fans have been a bit too loyal for their own good to not not necessarily jump on Bielsa, but to jump on the players and then letting the players know that what they're putting out there isn't good enough. It is a great question. It is a fantastic question from a neutral point of view. And I think I'm going to wear two hats on this one because I think it's only fair to, like you say, but so putting my Leeds United die hard, you know, season ticket all the way every week, through thick and thin. The reason fans are like that and we're like that is just we just love the fucking club. Like we love this team so much. And Liverpool the same. You're passionate about your club as much as we are. And I think the two passionate fan bases, so Liverpool side at listening probably will get this, but we just love them. And yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I talked about it a few weeks ago, didn't I, when Arsenal beat us, and all you heard were, you know, all you heard were Leeds chanting for 10 minutes. I stood there, didn't I, and looked around the stadium and thought, what a set of fans. And yeah, from a Leeds perspective, we're never going to not be loyal and we always stick by as team. But on the flip side, if I take that hat off for a moment, I kind of get where Merson were coming from. I called him a prick when you were talking about this because I just felt like he's one of those and he like, Stan Collymore started. I mean, let's be honest, he beats his fucking wife, so... Colin Moore can say what he wants about Leeds, but you know, at least they're not going on beating the girlfriends up and say, you know, I only, I only, I only hear open-handed is what I said, only famously. Like that, Let's yeah. not get into that now, but um, yeah, Colin Moore and that lights can all go get fucked. But um, yeah, in regards to, 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 to taking me off and thinking about it from a neutral point of view, yes, we probably should be harder on the players and some of the boos at half-time were probably justified, if I'm completely honest. I don't boo myself, I just haven't got it in me because I just love my club too much, but I think... 
you're right. If the players think that they can get away with it, they're not going to split. It's like, you, like let's, analogies are great and you use a lot of them. I use a lot of them. If you've got a kid, I've got a two and a half year old. If he's been a little shit and you go, oh, goodbye, goodbye. He's like, oh, I can keep doing this. It's fun and I'd love it. But keep doing it. If you tell a child off, they'll start crying. You get the reaction that you want because it's discipline. They start to think, oh, if I do that again, they might get upset at me again. So I might not do that again. So, yeah, I think looking at it from that point of view, if we keep on praising them, they might think that but we'll accept the performances that they're putting in. We're honest with you, we don't. But what a lot of Leeds fans do as well, which I think is a little bit sly, I'm not one of them. They'll go to Twitter and they'll start atting players like Aileen, like Phillips, Bamford. I sent you a couple of them out of the day when someone said to, I mean, I said to Bamford on the last podcast, where are you, mate? But I said it more from a, we need you, like a Delia yeah. Smith moment, wasn't it? Where call are to you? arms. A bit you know? of call to arms. <laughs> it was me sort of a cry to arms to say, look, come on, come on Bamford, get your same back. But, yeah, I think we probably should be harder on players. It's just not in our DNA at the moment. I think Bielsa kind of cushioned that. What I will say to you is now Bielsa's gone. If we continue to play like that, you might see a more adverse reaction because of the fact that there's a new manager installed and they don't know, upset Bielsa. And I think that was part of it, Greg, to be honest. I think part of it was we didn't want to boo, we didn't want to boo Bielsa's side off at pitch, but we could have done at times, like I said, you know. But yeah, I, I believe you're right people will agree and they'll disagree it's not something I'd like to do you know I, I sort of make my feelings known and here I've talked to people around me and talked to them about how bad we were but yeah when it comes to sort of berating players at full time I mean it's yeah it's a difficult one isn't it Cause if you do it you're seen as getting on the backs if you don't do it you let them get away with it but yeah it's a very very good question to be honest and it's, pro- it's probably provoked a decent bit of thought from me on that you maybe take me off a little bit and go on to the, the neutral side of things haven't you and I think that's always important in football because we are blinkered you know, we are rose-tinted, or in my eyes, you know, blue, white, and yellow-tinted glasses, but I think that's just how you, um, how every fan is, isn't there, really? I think what you should do, uh, I know Barcelona employ it. Can you, have you ever seen, like, a Barcelona match when they're losing and they all whip out white hankies and wave them? <laughs> I think that's what Leeds need to do. And like a sign of disrespect, but not booing. Yeah, it's like, we're not happy with what you're doing, but it's not the manager's fault. I think they should sort of come up with their own... Slant. I think obviously it's a bit too late for that now. And I, like you say, I think with Bielsa leaving, it's probably carte blanche for players to get booed left, right, and centre. You know, I don't necessarily think that in a player on Twitter or wherever that that's going to do much. You know, God knows how many followers they've got, and pretty much when they check their bank account on a weekly basis, that thirty, forty, fifty plus grand a week is probably going to outweigh somebody going, "You are shit." You know, some thirteen-year-old sock puppet account with a with a picture of God knows what. You know, on Twitter. I think they, yeah, okay, mate. Thank you very much. My my mortgage is paid, so I'm not bothered. But I think the players needed to stand up and be counted, and I think they're sort of failing on that front. Um, without raking it over, calls a bit too much. I think we've sort of said what we can. I know you had um, something that you'd like to read out from Bielsa. Oh no, that was it. My tweet oh, yeah, was all I wanted to read out. That was kind of my line under it. So that was what I, I read out to you um... earlier. So that was it. So it was from me to him, not so much from him to us because he's not said out yet. I, and I hope he does get a chance to say something. But I think he'll leave us there. I think, you know, somewhere. apologies to any any Liverpool fan listening to this because you're probably coming into this on a bit of a high and we'll go on to why in a moment. But yeah, apologies that we've sort of had to address this. But I think it's really important that I've had me say and that, you know, Craig's had his say in terms of it's what we do on the podcast here. We try and look at it from two club point of views. And, yeah, it's difficult because, you know, feedback comes in sometimes that, oh, there's a lot of Leeds content, a lot of Liverpool content, but we try and sort of do it. You know, if Klopp were to leave Liverpool, we do the three-hour special. You know, it's it's one of them. You just have to react to the news around you, don't you? But now I think um, 
it'll be a legacy that'll never be never be sort of forgotten in my eyes. And yeah, I think the players now need to stand up and, and like you say, Craig, I think I'm on the booing thing. They need to stand really stand up now and if anything, do it for Bielsa. Don't do it for Jesse Marsh if that's the one that comes in. Do it for Marcelo and actually turn around at the end of the season and say to him, We did that for you, Gaffer, you know, and um that's the least they can do. And I think it would, you know, at least give our, give us fans a little bit less heartbreak, but I don't know. When we when we come to previewing our next games eventually on this podcast, I'll give my thoughts on where we go from here. But yeah, um yeah, so I just say thank you again, Marcelo, and um, I appreciate that not everyone understands it. You kind of get it, but um, yeah, it's just it's just sad, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> I can say, oh, really. What a week I've had! I've had three episodes of absolute misery in a row, haven't I? But, um, yeah. who knows? Yeah, it's not been a good what time. What a time! <laughs> anyway, I shall digress onto the Liverpool versus Chelsea match, twenty seventh of the second kick off at sixteen thirty, Wembley Stadium. Uh, Liverpool won the Carabao Cup. 11-10 on penalties. Uh, instead of a game of two hours, we had a game of four quarters, neither of which were particularly amazing. Uh, there was some sloppy finishing on both sides. Mason Mount couldn't finish a pot noodle. Uh, he had a couple of chances, hit the post. Kelleher, great saves. Uh, I'll go on to some of his saves a bit later on in the podcast. It wasn't the most exciting to watch. Um, I think both teams looked a bit jaded. I think Chelsea were sort of playing for penalties from about the 50th minute on, onwards. Uh, Mendy made some good saves. Double save from Cater and Mane. I thought that were good. I think he were probably, if I'm being honest, man at match, even though Van Dijk got it. Um, there were a couple of goals, mainly ruled out for fouls and offsides. So it ended up going all the way past 90 minutes, past extra time into penalties. Uh, Pulisic had a couple of chances as well in, in uh, normal time. Uh, Mane... I think Mane were a bit quiet. Um, not quite sure. I think he might have been a bit overawed at the occasion. I don't think he's played at Wembley before, if my statisticians are correct. But that's his first game, his first win at Wembley. With that victory, Kelleher becomes Liverpool's most successful goalkeeper in penalty shootouts. That's the third penalty shootouts that is won. He also scored. Liverpool all scored all their penalties. Um, Reese James shushing the crowd. Came back to bite him in ass. Um I think... <laughs> It was quite if, as like a comedy writer. I don't I think you could have wrote it any better from extra time onwards. The, towards the end of extra time, you see Kepper warming up, padding his gloves down, giving it big and onside, and then Mendy, who for me, were Chelsea's man at match, comes off substitution. Now, if this pays off, it's a gamble, and you've won the gamble, and you've won. You know, you, you go down as a tactical genius. But if it don't come off, you look like the pigeon on the stick, man, and you look like a bit of a knobhead. And <laughs> it's come back to bite him on Creepy the And he, uh, he paid the price of bringing on a keeper. Now, I know the Sky Sports panel after the match were a bit divided on it. Redknapp dis- disagreed with bringing the keeper on and Carragher and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. I think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank must have been um, back home in Amsterdam smoking some of that wacky-backy because he decided that Thiago Silva were better than Van Dijk. Yeah, they both thought that bringing Kepper on was a risk that we're going to pay off or should have paid off. Um, it won't warm. We've seen it in Euros final uh, when players come on that aren't in touch with the game. They haven't had a kick of the ball and they either take a penalty or they're going net for penalties, then it tends to backfire. Um, both played well in terms of penalties apart from Kepper who got a zero on Sky Sports for his match rating. He managed to concede 11 penalties 
not save any penalties and the deciding penalty he took a goal kick for absolutely skied it into the stands and I've just heard confirmation not that long ago that the ball has now landed next to Mars Rover it was that high so yeah <laughs> I think he were absolutely dire but, but for me he got man at match because he blazed it over at bar managed to not save a single penalty and blazed ball over at bar so Tuchel looks, looks a bit like a bit of a knobhead uh, I thought Diaz were brilliant again I think he looks like an absolutely amazing bit of business I know me and Mark speak outside of the podcast at 37 million he looks like an absolute steal uh, he's only been here less than a month and he's already won more trophies than Harry Kane if you exclude the golden boots and stuff that's like personal accolade rather than as a team he's already won more than what Harry Kane has at Spurs so I was happy in a weird way to see Thiago crying um, not necessarily happy at his misery but it's nice to see that somebody's that passionate to want to be involved in the final that you're that upset that you're not involved in the final that you're crying I hope that his injury is a minor injury and he's you know he's back and playing again because he's been pulling strings like when he were at Bayern you know the old quarterback pinging it around feel little no look passes and stuff like that uh, I thought it was great that Kate, um, Kate sort of played in terms of in, in his place uh, I don't think he had a particularly bad game don't think he had a particularly amazing game uh, Elliot came on and scored his penalty. I thought that was a nice touch by him. Uh, Fabinho's little dink, that was a nice penalty. Don't get me wrong, Kelleher didn't save any penalties. However, he managed to score his and he managed to be in net while uh, Kepa blazed his over. So, yeah, I predicted that it were going to be a 1-0 win or go to penalties. I think yourself, you did exactly the same. Um, I, I could have said it, it's penalty shootouts, so... I didn't particularly try to watch any of them because they make me feel sick in a weird way. Um, Van Dijk got a goal. but Van Dijk didn't get a goal. Sorry, Van Dijk were involved in play when we got ruled out for a goal. Matip scored an header. That was bollocks, by the way. Yeah. I know you're reviewing yours, but yeah, they were just absolute bullshit, to be quite honest with you. VAR were a joke. I think VAR's had some shocking decisions over the weekend. Um, that were one of them. I think if we wouldn't have won that, match I'd have felt slightly more aggrieved after watching City match the other day when it were a blatant handball from, um, from their defender that handballed it I can't remember Rodri won it yeah, well, Rodri, yeah. yeah. It stuck his arm out clear handball even Lampard said his three year old daughter would have given that as an handball because it were a blatant handball that match goes other way you know title race opens up a bit more but that being said Everton lost did the lead a favour give him a little bit of optimism so yeah, uh, I think like I said, that while the ninth League Cup for Liverpool, so that's the record League Cup wins. Try to bring the uh, atmosphere up a little bit now. That's forty nine major trophies, uh, fifth cup under Klopp's tenure. So hopefully that'll push us on and segue nicely. Unless Mark has any views on the final himself. Yeah, I just want to drop it in because obviously, first of all, congratulations to Liverpool um, as a club, the fans, the players, um, anybody involved that went down. I've had a cracking day out at Wembley. I don't. I, I know we've talked about Coco Cup final and all that, but you know what? It's a trophy. It's a cup final. It's a win. It's 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 you know, Klopp's ninth. Nothing wrong with it. I just think it's a fantastic achievement. So well done. I think the game itself, you've summed it up perfectly. I think it was one of those nil nils. It wasn't a pain dryer, but it wasn't the best. I mean, I've seen some of. Some fans on, on Twitter saying it was the best nil-nil draw ever. I don't think so, mate. I mean, that again is probably a biased view, and I get it. You know, fans are biased towards their own club, aren't they? But yeah, it one of them. It wasn't the best I'd seen, but it wasn't the worst. It was full of sort of controversy. I think the Van Dyke 
offside ruling by VAR was the, one of the biggest jokes I've ever seen. And I'll be honest with you, and I mean that genuinely, I've seen some bad ones for us, but he, he, he wanted to fame play. He had no bearing on that goal whatsoever because the run into the back post, headed across, Matip's finished from a couple of yards, job done. For me, that was a perfectly good goal and it would have decided that game. Why the hell that got ruled out, I don't know. And all I can imagine is that, I don't know, did they want a bit more of it? Did the fancy penalties? Did someone have a bet on a penalty shootout or something? I don't know, but I just thought you were you were almost robbed if you'd have lost that game. We'd have been talking about you getting robbed this morning as much as it wouldn't have been, you know, a big thing for Liverpool because they want to win other bigger trophies like Champions League, like League. I just felt like it were uh, it were just a joke. I think yeah, penalties were cool. I think to score all eleven year penalties is fantastic. I think I'd like to see another final where that's happened in recent times. I can't remember. No, one. I can't think. There's of probably it. some stats or something out there that probably remembers one for their club. But I just thought each penalty was spot on. A couple of them were close calls, and I yeah, went. I was. Well. I went Liverpool to win. I'll be honest with you. So I was sat there messaging you one night at the time. I'm like, miss, miss, miss when Chelsea took one, and I will fully be out red yesterday. If I'm honest with you, so. <laughs> Yeah, it was one of them that I just thought, congratulations, I love to see players celebrate and I thought that was fantastic. I thought, you know, I did laugh for you, didn't I, about um, the Ox and uh, Minimuno coming out in full kits. Yeah, John Terry did. John Terry vibes and all that, but um, yeah, that made me laugh a bit. And one other thing I noticed, I don't know if you saw this, but Van Dijk, after Kepo pissing about, who were a joke by the way, not really a joke of a sub by uh, by Tuchel, but when, when Kepo sort of left side of his goal open, didn't he, and Van Dijk went, yeah, you can do that, mate, but I'm going to score right past you in that corner. But you say, I looked at him afterwards. Yeah, there were some daggers. You gave him that look and I just thought, can't deny it. That, even that made me feel a bit like, go on, you know, I was just like, you know what, Virgil, get him told, mate. And the way I looked at him and just, is it, you almost see him just look at him and go, you dickhead. And it was like, it was fantastic. But now I'd love to see it. And obviously, like I said, one of our listeners, Jason, Lou, who I talked about before, he went down with his son, Kean. Looks like they had a, I was seeing on their Facebook post, they had a fantastic day. You know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? And I mean, Jason, he put a Facebook post out, actually, after the final, and he, he said he'd had a few problems with his health a few years ago, and he didn't think he'd get to, to go to finals with his son and stuff, and now he's been to four and all that, and that's great. I love reading that. Yeah. Obviously, Jason's one of our, our good listeners, but yeah, they were down nicely at Wembley, and obviously they had a cracking day out and brought the trophy back to the team. But um, yeah, like I said, I put it out on our Twitter account, didn't I, on the morning of the final, that good looked at Reds and all that, and you know, I just think it was the right result. I thought your penalties were cool. I thought Kelleher were fantastic in terms of the 23-year-old, that kid, and he showed bollocks the size of the planet to just step up there and put that in. And it was a good pen as well, to be fair. I thought yeah, he, he placed it really well. And all right, he didn't make a save. But the problem with that is he didn't he, he didn't have to necessarily, you know, the shootout were out open. Kepa didn't do anything either. So no. I, won't even, I know you didn't criticise him, but I won't criticise him either because neither key, I think the, the penalty takers were just too good. I'll be honest with you, I don't think it were the keepers. I think every player stepped up and he just nailed the penalty. And I've not seen 21 penalties like that for a long time, apart from Kepa's, like you say, that's just landed on Mars. But um, no, I thought it was a good win. I thought it was a cracking thing. I love to see passion from players and and, man, and, and that kid, the goal, the trophy. Yeah. I mean, he's dark out to get banned, can he? Because it was Wembley. So you're not going to get a lifetime ban like you would at Ellen Road or at Anfield. But um, the fact that some random kid got off pitch and got a trophy in his hands, Bless him. brilliant. I mean, what a memory for him. You know, I bet his dad's loving that with pictures yeah. and that. But, yeah, there were just things like that. And you saw Henderson when he gave Kelleher the trophy and pushed him towards press and said to press, get a picture of this lad with trophy. That was a nice touch from, from Henderson as well. And I just think, yeah, I've seen videos in dressing room with Van Dyke sat there with man at match award and took up on his knee and you've got, you know, uh, a player sat next to him and having a bit of a laughing. Canate was sat next to me changing rooms and they're laughing about it and stuff. But good on him. I think, yeah, you've probably had a few lackluster performances, but you've had a lot of games recently, haven't you? And I know, I, we always say it, but we also had a bit of a curse. And I'm not saying that because you, you, you amateurs in week, but 
teams always perform less than standard when they played Leeds. I don't know what it is, but if you look back on history this season, if a team beats us, they don't necessarily win the last game. Like Scum beat us, they drew in uh, Champions League. You beat us, you drew in Cup, although you won on penalties. If you look back on other things, I can guarantee you Spurs won't win their next game. I don't know what it is, some sort of stupid, sort of, probably um, probably just a you know, coincidence, but no, I just thought it were, uh, yeah, not the greatest performance, but you got you got to win, and sometimes you've got to do that. You've done it a lot this, this, this season with wins that you've got. So yeah, I just thought it were, yeah, good performance. Chelsea were wasting a lot of time, like you said. I didn't want Chelsea to win. And uh, yeah, congratulations once again to Liverpool. So yeah, fantastic achievement to, to get another cup in your, in your cabinet. I don't think um, Lukaku played amazingly well for uh, the price that they no. paid for him. But I think Havertz played particularly well. Like I said, uh, Mount, for me, absolutely dire. Uh, I'd like to see the Mason Mount that plays for Chelsea play for England because when he plays for Chelsea, a lot of times he's brilliant, but when he's in an England shirt, he's absolutely... Well, make your own sort of prediction to the end of that sentence. But yeah, great win for Liverpool. Lovely to see the fans and stuff. It were nice. What I liked about it was when this when we scored a penalty, Milner, Elliot, uh, absolutely, you know, pumped up, getting crowd, Trent, what's same, getting crowd behind him and everything. And for me, Chelsea just didn't seem like they wanted it enough. I know it's look at draw at end of day, does the keeper guess the right way and stuff, but Kepa can kiss my ass. Uh Reece James can kiss my ass. <laughs> I just didn't like the shushing the crowd sort of thing, you know. I know it's gamesmanship and... No, and you're right. I, I message you. I just think it's disrespectful, especially when... If I'm winning penalty, you shush crowd, but you don't shush crowd when you're midway through a shootout, mate. It's like... It is one of them moments. It's a meme waiting to happen, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you do that and be like... I mean, we've had our own fair share of people shushing Leeds crowd, but they get normally get a Dr. Pepper on it, but, but um, yeah, it's one of them that... You don't shush a crowd during a shootout. I'll do it after the game, by all means, but yeah, arrogant to Chelsea anyway, and... Like I said, no love lost between Leeds and Chelsea, to be quite honest with you. But um, yeah, I just thought right team won, to be fair. Like I said, you won't game in normal time. It's just that the officials at Stockley Park can idiots. So um, yeah, that's the reason why you uh, had to go to extremes of penalties. But yeah, right result, I think. Very pleased for our Liverpool supporting side of the podcast and yourself included in that. Speaking of Chelsea, uh, what are your personal views of the ties to the Russian leader, Vladimir Putin, via Mr. Abramovich. What do you Spot think on. about the yeah, great segue, Craig. I've got a number of me. You know, recent headlines and you've got a few, so I think that's a great place to sort of put them in because I've got a lot written down here that are linked to that. But yeah, the first one will start with Roman Abramovich. Obviously, he's banded this word around as relinquishing his stewardship of the club, although he'll remain owner. And obviously, he's written off all debts that the club have got, so essentially he's ensured the future of Chelsea. I just think that's, I think it's sly, if I'm honest. I don't think all he's doing is saving face. I mean, his kids go to school in England, so I kind of get it. Because I think he's got ties with the UK, you know, and he's lived here quite a while, hasn't he? But um, at the end of the day, some of his money is, he's classed as one of them oligarchs, isn't he, for want of a better, I don't know if I pronounce that properly, but it's oligarch, yeah, but... I think he's one of these figures in Russia that profits from some of the things that they do, and he's known for being his oil and stuff, isn't he? But yeah, I just think it's um, it's all to save face, and maybe. Maybe he's doing the right thing. Maybe he's distancing himself as a Russian from the club to allow him to sort of, you know, not be threatened and not have people boycott him and not alienate the fans and stuff like that. And I guess the sanctions could be imposed on, on, on the club if he's still in charge of it, you know. So I guess he's giving it to Charitable Foundation as well. They haven't yet accepted it. So whether or not that'll happen, I don't know. But yeah, I just feel like it would a bit of a um, bit of a sort of PR move stroke let me just seem to be distancing myself. He's not come out and dispute in any way, shape or form. As he's not come out and said, I, I condemn it. 
No. He's just come out and said, I'll, I'll give you this gesture. I'm saying, what nice. What, what are your thoughts on it, Craig? Uh, I text you and I've put it up in, on various social media. I think it's sort of similar to when somebody signs a mortgage over into their lass's name. I think he's just sort of, uh, it's not to do with me. I'm not in charge. Like, well, stewardship and ownership are two completely different things. Giving over stewardship doesn't mean shit, really. He's just said, yeah, you, you can sort of be seen to be in charge of it when you're actually not. He'll still be taking his word from it. He'll still be involved in it, um, you know. It's it's sort of in his DNA, and that, that's his job is to look after that club. Now, one point five billion pounds worth of debt. I don't know if, if he'll be able to call it in. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of sanctions through government and stuff like that. But I think it's, I think it's a bit of a cowardly move. I think he's sort of passed the the, the bucket uh, on uh, the charitable thing. Um, they've 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 come out and said, on what from what I've read in a couple of reports, they don't necessarily want to take it off of him because then they're involved in the heat and then they don't know if they're going to be held accountable or liable for anything because who does know? Um, so, yeah, I, 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 to not come out and actually condemn Putin for his, uh, his actions because he should have done, really, to be fair. Uh, he could have done a lot further, but he's got family over here, like you've just mentioned and stuff, um, and he stands to profit a lot from the ties and the stuff, like a lot of his money's being gotten, we'll say, nefariously. Um, so, yeah, I think he could have done more, probably should have done more, but he's not going to because, well, he can't. I mean, he's probably going to yeah, be overchecked if if he does. There's well, a couple uh, more, I'd sort of, I'll be drinking some, this, there's a couple of stories on it. be drinking a couple of, uh, couple of dodgy cups of tea if, if he does say come out and speak against him what so I don't think he's going <laughs> to he'll have his own uh, cocktail yeah. Putin special cocktail that gets sent to the club as a gift yeah. <laughs> but yeah we better be careful because he'll come after us next there'll be uh, Russian spies in your back garden won't they will look out your window and they'll be like King Call of Duty in your back garden but um, I think there's a couple of bits on back of this Craig as well and I'm sure we can chew the fat over this a little bit but We've got the Champions League final being moved, haven't we, from St. Petersburg uh, to Paris, I believe, confirmed this week. Um, I think that's the right decision. I feel like, why would you want anything to take place in Russia at the moment? I mean, yeah, I think it's the right thing, but on the back of the Champions League final, other things that have happened are, obviously, you know, it came out Poland and refused to play them, haven't they, in the playoff later this month, I think it is, or next month. You've got Czech Republic and Sweden who are also in that playoff bracket that are all refusing to play Russia, so they've said, look, we're not playing you, despite your way for saying they can compete under that new name, a bit like at Olympics, yeah. you know, it's ROC at Olympics rather than Russia. A little bit of a cop out that, and it just changed your name, but yeah, same course. same thing. And then I think obviously England have come out today, and Scotland have both said that until further notice, they ain't going to play against Russia in any tournament setting, any scenario. So I guess, yeah, I know I passed all that together, but in terms of Champions League final and the refusal of teams to play Russia now, where do you stand on that? I think I agree with it, to be honest with you, but. I'm not saying ban all Russians because we've got some Russian nationals in this country that are against it. We've got some Russian players that have come out and been against it. So it's not their fault, but something's got to be done on it. We can't we can't go sending forces over there. So we have to try and do what we can to, to hurt them a little bit. But is it hurting the wrong people on the other side? Let's play devil's advocate. Is it hurting the Russian players? Is it hurting the Russian fans You know that are actually against it? Is it hurting football? Which again, the bigger things in life than football, absolutely. But... Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on all that that kind of kicked off on the back of the Russian conflict with Ukraine? I think whatever we do, Putin won't give a shit. Like, he'll have factored into all this lot in terms of losing Tories and money and stuff. And I know parts of the Russian community probably rely 
sort of not rely necessarily, but a, a dependent in a way to, towards tourist books and stuff, and it'll hit, impact them and it'll hurt them. But I think no matter what we do, people don't give a shit. So I think it was right call to move anything out of Russia that can be moved out of Russia, putting it in Paris. I mean, Paris itself hasn't got a particularly great record in terms of, like, terrorist attacks and stuff like that lately, but... No, it hasn't, to be fair. <laughs> out of the frying pan into the fire, sort of. fire. Yeah, literally. Um, but, yeah, sanctioning them, not playing them. Hopefully they won't just turn around and do, like, what they did in Olympics when they were um, dosing up on steroids and just go under a different name. But, yeah, anything that can sort of help us and hurt them, sort of... I'm in, I'm in agreement with. Just broken, actually. Sky Sports News have just brought the news that um, Spartak are getting banned. Spartak Moscow are going to be banned from uh, European competition. So it's just it's from Sky Germany. This bit says, but like first says Spartak Moscow's round of sixteen tie against Leipzig are going to be sort of moved. But then there's now talk that they might ban them from the competition entirely. So it's just going to snowball, isn't it? You're going to have it yeah. where they're just going to be alienated, and as a nation, and as a sort of country, um, sorry, nation and, and, and all your, your teams within it, they're just going to be sort of thrown out and I guess all that does is build up disdain towards Putin a little bit, but he seems to have no mates, does he, in this, you know, from the sporting world, from the world, from anywhere. I just feel like it's, it's trickling over into everything now, isn't it? There's obviously the financial side of it. Yeah, it's crackers, but yeah, who knew that football would be so prominent when there's, you know, on the brink of a war? If not a war already, because they are fighting, aren't they, at the moment, yeah. but it just feels like, yeah, football always seems to take this big stand in everything, doesn't it? And it's like, oh, look at us. And yeah, we love football. You know, I love the sport outside of my team, but there is bigger things going on in there. So I think we need to just stop. So if you move things out of this country, you don't want anywhere in there or in Ukraine that's going to cause, you know, harm to anybody. At the same time, let's just see how it goes, you know, and um, kind of see what happens. But the sanction the sanctions are, they're not going to, like, say, they're not going to hurt him. They are going to hurt other people, but ultimately, I guess that's the price you pay when you're in a certain country, aren't you, when things happen. But, yeah, it's a weird one, that. So away from sort of Ukraine, Russia, Bielsa, Cup Finals, I've got a couple more snippets. I did write it down here, actually. <laughs> I'm laughing because I can't say it on podcast, but I wrote down Lampard is a morning, C-U-N-T. Oof. The reason I wrote that is because he's a little rant about Everton. You know, my three-year-old daughter could see that we're offside, and I'm bored. Sorry, not offside, I'm bored. I'm thinking about your decision. You know, my, my three-year-old daughter could see that we're offside. I get it. Again, handball. Don't like keep getting offside in my brain. Still thinking about Liverpool, that. Yeah. But yeah, when, he, when Lampard came out in his interview and mourned about the um, the actual handball against City, and they were like, oh, VA, out of Condors, you know, my, my daughter could have seen it. We'd never get decisions, blah, blah, blah. Same old whingy-ass Lampard, and you know I don't like him anyway. But Everton today just confirmed they're actually complaining to FA about decisions against them. And I'm not going to lie to you, there are far worse teams than Everton Football Club that have been wronged by VAR, if I'm completely honest with you. You know, Leeds could have a complaint. Liverpool could have a complaint. There's probably teams that are, you know, down in bottom at league at the moment that could also complain. There's teams fighting for Europe that could complain. I just think it's a bit rich, if I'm honest with you. You know, it's like saying, oh, VAR were our friend, but now it's cost us a game and Lampard's shitting himself because they might actually get relegated. Hopefully they might do rather than us. I mean, I don't have all against Everton. I know you will. I don't have all particularly against them grudge-wise. But, you know, we're all in the same boat, mate. We, we're getting tanked left, right and centre every week. You don't see us saying, oh, referee won't great on Saturday. But I mean, but ultimately, it didn't matter how bad referee was because we were, we were twice as bad as players. But, yeah, I just feel like it's a bit of a cop-out from them. You know, a lot of players just like bites them on, don't they? I don't know if you've got any thoughts. I know you've alluded to it. And we know the AR needs fundamentally, there's fundamental flaws in it and they fix him, but... I just thought, 
same old Lampard always morning. I'm chanting it in my head now, singing it about him, but yeah, I just don't like him, to be honest. Uh, yeah, he's a good mourner. He's very good at mourning. I mean, I can see his, his sort of gripe, but in a way that sort of helps Leeds out on it, so I suppose you take it as a Leeds fan. Um, it were on ball, you know, I'm not saying that ball. I said it too early, didn't I? But it was definitely think... an on ball from Rodri. I mean, 100% would have pen, uh, would have penalty to Everton, and it could have got on the three points, because then our City scored late on to win, didn't Then that probably hurt Liverpool fans as well, but... Um, that one hard one now because it's like your arch enemy versus your title enemy. Yeah, it's like, what do you do? I know, aside from Man United, the blue side of Liverpool are sort of uh, big, big rivals. I say big rivals, that's underestimating it. But yeah, I just felt like I'm, I'm not disputing the decision. I just felt a bit like, um, yeah, just, just stop mourning, man. You know, just get on with it. And it is what it is. You know, we've all had VAR issues. We've talked about it first, but pretty much half a podcast we've done if not more yeah. but yeah that was a funny one I've only got two more bits before we sort of preview our next games yep. I've got two more bits and then I've got a bit of a correction on a, pre- a previous podcast that I made a mistake on but first of all Ericsson Pin loved it I absolutely love to see that I don't know if you've seen TikTok of it I know it sounds like a 12 year old saying this but Brentford put one out and it was the moment he came up pitch for his comeback obviously after his you know, cardiac arrest you know and the thing that got me it, it teared me up a bit I'll be honest with you because he looked at the crowd and he was just like I'm back and I know he's played behind closed doors and stuff, but he stepped out in front of the crowd for the first time and I got a bit warm inside and I loved it. And as much as, again, Brentford, I hope we lose every game rest of the season, because if you do, that means that we've got a little bit of a chance of, uh, especially playing them last game of the season. Be, yeah. That means we stay up. So, yeah, I don't wish Brentford to look on the pitch, but I just thought it was a great touch by Brentford to sort of bring him on, make his debut, give him his moment. And I bet his wife and kids were there as well. And it's just, yes, yeah, brilliant. I thought, what a man. And my final snippet, I'm sure you can preview my two bits of news in one because it's kind of related. It's not related to this, but just recent headlines. Conte, man, what a, what a miserable whinging gitty. What I mean, did you see him before Spurs game going, oh, I've give, given all I can give. I don't know what I can do anymore. Do you know, and it doesn't sound like that, but he was just mourning, wasn't he? About, oh, I'm going to have to quit. I've got a bit Beasley, of a Tornil comes out. So, I mean, leave, you've had a chat and I'm staying now. I'm happy, I'm buzzing. I just thought, what a knob. I've got a if you come out and moan about your, your, your position, when actually, Tottenham aren't doing that badly, you know, they're fighting for sort of a European spot. To come out and say I've took them as far as I can take them because I've had a few defeats, and then you know you beat Leeds and everything's rosy again. I just think, God, what a knob! But <laughs> I don't know what you think about those two bits, but that was sort of my take on the world of football, and that's where I sort of landed with all that this week. But any thoughts on either of those two? Uh, in regards to Conte, you know, like when you go on Facebook and there's them, them. I don't want to say like yummy mummy or single mummy or what, but you know the type. And <laughs> they're putting on, it, yeah, they're putting on like, oh, I'm sick of all these two-faced people. There's snakes and yada yada yada. And then underneath, somebody puts inbox me hun. You know what's going on? Inbox me hun. That yeah. was one of them. It were a bit, bit yummy mummy try to, or single mum try to fucking stir up a bit of emotion. Like I think as a tactic, it's probably worked. You know, Spurs have come out and. And played got a reaction. probably yeah best have played in a while. They've got they he's got the reaction. It's just, just seems the weekend a bit, before and then lost to Burnley. Yeah, so exactly. It, I know the Burnley. I know. I mean, don't get me wrong. You lose to Burnley, you feel like shit. I imagine any team would. You yeah. know, it's Burnley, isn't it? But um, yeah, I just felt it was an overreaction from him, and I just think it's a bit drama where queen. he's lucky to have his job. Yeah, it, you know, he's, he's a manager at Premier League, and there's literally twenty jobs, isn't there? And you know, there's people queuing up for those jobs, and and the fact that one of our own's just lost it. I feel like um, I just felt a bit rich because if where if you're where Spurs are, all right, they didn't have a great run before beating us. They beat us City, but then they beat us two wins in six. I just don't think he had room to mourn. If I'm honest with you, it's a little bit drama queen. Get over it, honk sort of job. That's yeah. what it was. I could lose something. You know what do you want? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's in. 
London getting paid God knows how many million with a squad that's worth God knows how many million. Yeah, it's just a bit, get over yourself. Come on, it's a proper drama, Facebook drama queen rolled out. Like, ah, <laughs> really I don't was. know what to do. Just, just get over yourself, mate. That's all you need to do. If you can't be a manager okay, at a club like that with a <laughs> squad like that, like, oh, come on, mate, have a word. Um, yeah, so forward, looking forward now, we've got the matches this week. We uh, have. We have got on the 2nd of March, which seems weird that we're already in March, which is absolutely ridiculous how quick this year's flying, considering how quick last year flied. Flew. We've got Liverpool versus Norwich on the 2nd of the 3rd, FA Cup 5th round. Um, I'll sort of go into that now. Uh, I hope we're going to be using momentum of the cup win yesterday. Sort of kick on, try to beat these. Um, I've not really heard much in terms of Diaz's uh, injury. Hope Thiago's back fully fit and stuff like that. So I think we're going to play a similar team to what we played in cup final. It'd be hard for me if I were the manager as Klopp. He's, he's basically said that Kelleher is probably best best backup keeper in the world right now and can't really uh, argue with his sentiments there. It'd be harsh to displace him after that performance, so I'd probably start him in net. Uh, I think we've got enough firepower, regardless of who we play, to be beating Norwich, bottom at league. But is this Norwich's chance to shine? They're not going to get much hope in staying up in terms of Premier League, so do they throw everything at it and hope for the best and knock Liverpool sort of out and try to disrupt the momentum that Liverpool have got? Um Home for t- uh, home advantage. We've got home advantage. Um, we beat them not that long ago, three one, which we obviously talked about on podcast and stuff. Uh, we've already won ten games on spin, and hopefully this is going to be eleventh win on the spin. Uh, yeah, I've gone for my prediction anyway. Um, without getting too far into this, is three 0 to Liverpool. I don't know what your uh, prediction or your view on this match is, Mark. I'll give it a bit of a cup day, but yeah, um, we don't confer notes, obviously, but I have gone three in Liverpool as well. <laughs> I think, from my point of view on this one, Norwich have got bigger things to worry about than FA Cup, and I don't think any Norwich fan that won't listen to this anyway, because why would they, I guess? But um, I don't think they're worried about winning FA Cup. They're not winning FA Cup, even if they were worried about it. So um, I think they're going to probably rest players. I'll be honest with you, I think they now they believe that the sort of relegation battle's on because of the results that are happening and the leads have been dragged into it, I feel like they're going to go all out and trying to, try to stay up. I think it's a big battle for relegation now. So I think cup-wise, can't see them being bothered, if I'm honest with you. Not that, not disrespecting Liverpool, but I think Liverpool will put a probably maybe similar side out to yesterday. Maybe not maybe not Salah and Mane, because I'll have one eye on, obviously, the uh, the league game, because I think it'll be a tough league game, which we'll go on to shortly. But, um, yeah, I feel like um, it'll be a bit of a free enough formality. I think Liverpool will do the job. Norwich, I don't think they'll even score because I don't think they're going to put a crap side out if I'm honest with you. And then, yeah, potentially Liverpool might add a, another cup to their um, armour in this competition because I can see them going quite strongly in it. But, yeah, I think 3 0, bit of a business as usual, routine win. See you later, Norwich, get back to the league sort of business, I think. I didn't uh, think of it in terms of league, uh, Norwich sort of, like you said, reserving and then fighting in the league. I thought of it the other way around, which is. Uh... Good that we've both got different perspectives on it. Sort of, can you remember a couple of seasons ago? I think it was Portsmouth that got relegated and won FA Cup in the same season. They did. I thought that Norwich might have a, have a go at doing that. They've but got yeah. Brentford on Saturday of Norwich, so my thinking yeah. there was they're going to want to really beat Brentford because Brentford are one of the teams that they can catch. You know, so I think it'll be a case of we've got Brentford, 
let's focus on that. They're at home at Brentford as well, so it'll be a bit like I've got one eye on that game and therefore don't give them all in this game and don't risk injuries or all like that or any suspensions that can carry over into the league and let's just sort of, you know, carry on. So, yeah, that's maybe where it is. But, yeah, I think I think either way, Liverpool will be too strong for them, to be quite honest. Good that we've uh, both gone for the 3-0. Now the next match, Leeds next match, sorry, is on the 5th of March and that is against Leicester. That's a 12.30 kickoff, another afternoon kickoff. Mark, if you'd like to give us your uh, views and opinions of what might happen in this match. Definitely. This is really strange for me because I'm reviewing the game and as we recall, we've got no manager, we've got no backroom staff. The person in charge of training today is likely to be Mark Jackson, who's the under-23 coach, because, again, all Marcelo staff has gone. So I don't know what prep we're going to have for this game, to be quite honest with you. And my train of thought on Leeds now is negative, and I'm really sorry for anyone listening to this that might still have a gun revolt, but I think we're down, and I think we're only going to get worse. I don't think we beat Leicester. At home, uh, sorry, away. Should I say they're at home? I, I've gone for three now, Leicester, and that sounds really, really shit from a you know guest point of view. But I just feel like we can't defend, we can't score. There's rumours that if this Marsh comes in, he likes to play two up top. I'm scared that Phillips ain't going to have a position to come back to because I don't think he's renowned for playing an old sort of defensive mid like he does. You know, Phillips having that sort of pivotal role at back. I don't know if he's going to come in and completely fuck the system. I don't think Phillips is back for that game. He's back hopefully for Villa the week after. That's what we've heard anyway. But um, yeah, I just don't know what to think. I think Lee's a bit disarray. My problem I've got as well is if he doesn't come in and play, this is, this is going to sound really stupid, if he doesn't play Bielsa's type of football, do our players know anything more? They've had four years of playing this type of football, so will our players be able to adapt a system under a new manager with limited prep? He won't know the players very well unless he's been doing his own work while he's been off thinking he's getting a job anyway. I just don't see us coming together very well. And I think Leicester, as much as they aren't great, they're at home, they've got a good threat up top. You know, sort of some of their strikers they've got, they've got some good attacking players. I just feel like it's a formality for an home win and I can't see us having any fight back. A 3 0 probably be that. I mean, given that how much shipping goals at the minute, 3 0 probably being uh, a bit kind to us. But um, yeah, just can't see us winning, if I'm honest with you. The negatives are might sound. Please prove me wrong, players, because I would love to be sat here next Monday talking about a new manager coming in and getting us a win because it would be massive. But yeah, there's my take on that. And my take is completely different. <laughs> I've gone wow. with I've gone with a very, 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 very optimistic Leeds two-one win. Uh, it won all last time you played, so you owe them for that. There's no manager, so if you if you lose, then it's like a free hit. But if you win, it's like we've won this for you, sort of a, a mark of respect to Bielsa. But then again, it. it's as a double-edged sword, you're like, well, why couldn't you have done that for Bielsa? So Leeds can't win either way, in a way, because if they do win and they do stay up with the players that they've got, they obviously can't sign anybody else. It's just, well, why couldn't you have done that under Bielsa? So they're either good enough to stay up and they'll prove they're good enough to stay up or they weren't good enough all along. So it's it's a bit of a strange one. But yeah, I went with 2-1 to Leeds as a very, very optimistic uh, result. Um, Barnes and Rafinha scored in last time when it were one all. I think Rafinha's due a good match. I think he needs to sort of, even if now with Bielsa gone, a lot of players putting themselves in shop window for other teams to sort of come in and buy them. Um, I know. Yeah, cough, cough, we've Rafinha, spoke basically. We've spoke, yeah, we've spoke of it outside of the podcast that he's got a buyout clause that's 25 million if he's in a uh, championship, I think, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, if they've got a new manager. And 75 if we stay up. Well, Leicester have got to what play Burnley. On Tuesday, on the first of March, so obviously whatever happens in that match could affect what's going to happen in this match. 
if Leicester win, they might carry a bit of momentum forward. If they lose, they've lost against Burnley, which would do Leeds a favour. But on the flip side of that, it won't do Leeds a favour because Leeds have got exactly to then play. That. So you're in a bit of a lose-lose situation. And sometimes like that, when shackles are off, that's a great time for you to be able to play that expansive football, that counter-attacking football. Um, whatever manager comes in is going to have to shore up the back if they have got a manager uh, in time. You know, you never know. Tyrone might come back and take over for a couple of games. They might have like a caretaker <laughs> manager. Uh, yeah, like I said, I've, I've uh, doubled down on this a couple of times now, but I'm going with two one to Leeds. Uh, it's do or die time, and it? it's you have a live it by Bielsa's sort of philosophy now, and and follow it through to the end, or you sort of slump off and you're in in deep doo doo, sort of speaking, in a relegation. Battle. I think if Leeds well, lose now, weeks, though, I think to get his mark across the one, it. I think the, the new thing, managers take time, don't they, to imprint their sort of the do ethos on the club. But sometimes any manager, it's like any managers are better sometimes than than the last one, just because it's a change of scenery. Sometimes yeah. it's oh well, he ain't here anymore. I'm going to have to sort of try, otherwise I'm out at door. Uh, I think if they do lose, then it would have been pointless sacking Bielser all along, which sort of reiterates your argument that you stated earlier on in, in, in the podcast. So for them to prove that it isn't them that are shit and it was Bielser, they've got to win. So that's why I've gone for 2-1. Yeah, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? But I think it's you know, it's a fair point. I think it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've got the optimism. And I mean, after a week we've had, it's probably just been beaten out of me for an inch of my life. So um, yeah, as much as I want to sort of positive I can't be but um, yeah we'll see I mean I hope I'm completely wrong because I'll be buzzing with that and I'm kind of expecting nothing now if I expect nothing and we get something I'll be even more buzzing next week won't I so that's kind of where my head's at you know expect nothing and and see what the player's response is going to be and yeah hopefully later today we get some announcement and then he's got at least a few days to uh, to bed in his his style it's probably similar to Bielsa in terms of style of play but he likes to sort of play two strikers he likes to sort of play a 4-2-2-2 whatever it is you know, so he likes to sort of have, you know, he doesn't like wingers, which is a bit stupid because we've got Harrison and Rafinha as much as Rafinha's not turning up. We've also got Dan James as a winger, so we've got three wingers that are not going to want to play or will they, will they get to play? I don't know what he's going to do. He can't just go without wingers in a game. So yeah, this is a lot of rumours. Again, it's Twitter talking for you, isn't it? And Facebook talking for you, but God knows. That's why. There's so much up in air that I don't think he's got enough time to steady the ship before weekend. But like you said, new manager syndrome we rattle off a couple of results and put ourselves really in a good position I mean we've got we're not going to preview them now but we've got Leicester but then after that you've got Villa and Norwich which is a Thursday and a Saturday so next Monday we'll, we'll preview them but two massive games after the weekend you know they're potentially where you could get some points both at home as well so we're at home for, you know, twice it's based four days or three days so you never know do you but um, yeah I just, I just I don't know I'm at a bit of a loss at minute so fingers crossed you're right and I'm wrong and I'll happily take that for that one yeah it's uh, like I said, it's do or die time, and it? it's you need to start winning. Like I know we've been saying it for weeks now, but they do, they do need to start getting themselves out of the uh, the doo doo. Um, I'll move on yeah, now right. to the Liverpool versus West Ham five thirty kickoff, same day, which is weird because we haven't played on same day for a while now. Um, we owe them because they beat us in November, which weirdly enough was the same day that Leeds played Leicester. I think if I remember rightly, seventh of November. Uh, we've only lost since then against Leicester, weirdly enough, in December. Good run of form. Uh, hopefully this will be 12 wins on bounce. We'll have hopefully beat Norwich by them for 11th one. I think West Ham have been a bit hit and miss this season. I don't think they've been particularly great since 
before Christmas. Well, since be- after Christmas, I don't think they've been particularly great. I watched them play against Kidderminster, and Kidderminster took them literally to Wyatt. Well, two late, late, late goals that sort of put them through in FA Cup. I don't think they were particularly amazing. That being said, Declan Rice has had a good season. Jared Bowen's having probably the best season that he's had. Uh, Antonio on his day is a good player, very, very good player. Um, but I'll go into my prediction, and my prediction is Liverpool 4, West Ham 2. I think both teams will score. Uh, I know we've not really been conceding as many goals as I've been panicking that we are going to concede, but I think Bowen up top, as well as... Uh, sorry, Antonio up top and Bowen. Bowen's been chipping in with goals left, right and centre. He did uh, Liverpool fans... Well, he did Leeds fans a massive favour other week when he chested it over at crossbar. I know we spoke about that before. Um, yeah, last time we won a game, that. Yeah, which is... Uh, it's good for Leeds fans. Um, I think we've got too much for him. I think Salah's probably going to get one or two. I think he's going to be pushing on now to try and sort of break any record that he can. Um, hopefully Jota's back. Hopefully Diaz is back. I'm not sure in terms of injury what's been stated. I, I, I was disappointed when he got taken off. I thought we looked like a completely different team in, in final one once he got subst- substituted. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I think at times Salah's been unplayable. He's scored some really good goals against these before. I think Alisson got an assist. Oh no, it's sort of a long kick out and then uh, Robbo whipped it in. Salah rolled it on, on his uh, foot and then just rolled it past keeper. I think we've got. Scored some good goals against these in the past, but yeah, I've gone for four two Liverpool win. Don't know if you've uh, got any views on on this match, Mark. Any horses? Yeah, in this my race? prediction, my prediction probably shows you about my mental state. Probably not where it should be at the moment, but um, I actually went for the draw, and I gave my reasons for that. I think they draw quite a bit West Ham, and they can play and they can score goals when they want to score goals, and I think. I'm allowing for a little bit of Liverpool fatigue here and the fact that all good things can come to an end and I'm not saying that they're not going to play well. But I wrote down in my notes 2-2 and I'm going to stand by it because maybe I'm going a bit you know, a bit crazy at the moment with what's happened this week. But I feel like you're right, Liverpool are scoring goals by a bucket load and I think West Ham do concede goals. I also think they've got a bit of a threat. So I feel like it'll be a bit like Leeds Liverpool was. But difference being they'll finish and we can't. You know, as in this box-to-box type game and I think it'll drag you maybe into it a bit and you've had a lot of games to play I think you've played twice a week now for quite a while haven't you I think it's three or four weeks Something like that, you've yeah. had like it's literally been... two games a week or I think it's maybe three weeks and in a row you had Champs League FA Cup and then us didn't you so it's like you know they've had a lot of games and I'm not saying that matters because you've got a decent squad but yeah I just thought I'd throw it in there so again it's probably wider the mark I can probably you know see why you'd win that game and form suggests Liverpool would win I just thought I'd make it interesting and throw a bit of a two-two in there. It's a bit like you, you predicting a Leeds when I've gone for a draw. So we've both gone a bit off those normal, uh, normal predictions. But yeah, probably not going to be correct. But I went for two-two. It's hard to predict when you're already a match behind because obviously things could happen in the Norwich match that are going to affect this in the yeah. same way that the Leeds match with Leicester playing Burnley before. Then it's hard to sort of double jump in terms of games. Agreed. So What if you get you know like an injury or what if Sally you know that's what happens to him or what if. Yeah, you're right, it is hard, isn't it? and yeah, I just think it's it's sort of an, an interesting point, but I think it's um, I think it's good, and I think, yeah, we've got some good predictions there. I know we're quite close to wrap-up, because Ockerday is knocking on the door, isn't he? But, um, he's, uh, he's, he's been there's a couple of things I need to correct. Well, there's three things I need to correct, actually. Well, one thing I need to say until I need to correct. So, do you remember we were talking about Leeds and Liverpool playing each other, that dreaded game last week, and for whatever reason, my mind had blocked out the fact that you beat us 3-0 at Ellen Road. 
And I, I said at some point, oh, we'll play you again at home this season. No, we won't. I completely blanked out and forgot about that game. And then when I was looking back on it, I listened to it and I thought, eh. looked at his own pictures and I'm like, we ain't got Liverpool this season. I'm playing him now away and that's it. So obviously I, for some reason, forgot on in a previous episode that we played you once and you've given us a spanking at Ellen Road. So um, apologies for going senile. And then secondly, the stats thing. So this bugged me last week, listening, you know, we did a top three goalkeepers and we're obviously going to resume that next week and give number two out. I was quoting two sets of stats last week and actually you you hit an nail on the head. I was quoting, first of all, league stats only because I got from a source that doesn't quote cups in it and, and, and obviously uh, international competitions like, you know, your Champions League and stuff. So yeah, the second stat I gave out last week was the correct stats. So moving forward now, I'm going to change my source because the stats website I used obviously was league only and that doesn't, um, doesn't help anybody when I'm trying to talk about stuff. So yeah, apologies for that. And then one final thought from me, I meant to say this for ages, but I said on a podcast about three weeks ago that Lucas had his cup semi-final, didn't I? You did. The one. So they are through to the final of that cup and it's on the 24th of April, so that'll be a Sunday. Um, so yeah, congratulations to Lucas and his team. Um, we, interestingly, had a team in final that had beaten us 3-2 at, um, at home a few, week, well, a few weeks ago. So it was a bit of a formidable game for us, but we hammered them 6-3 yesterday at home. So um, it's now become a, a game on for that cup final now. So they're a great team who they're playing against um, in terms of good players. Luke's team had probably one of their best performances of the season yesterday in a 6-3 win. So yes, all to play for on 24th of April, but I will ensure that I update everyone on that because I'm sure you're sat there thinking, oh, I wonder how it's going to go. I'm sure you've got no else to worry about it. apart from my son's football. Um, but, um, I'll write in it on our the house, it obviously it's big. In my house, it's big news, so I'm going to share my life with you, unfortunately. But um, you've sort of given me a shout out for that. So congratulations to all the boys there in our team for that. And um, I look forward to supporting you, as I always do in every game, but um, seeing you in a cup final as well. So it'd be good to see it. And aside from that, I'll just echo before you do your goodbyes. I think it's a great time to end it. And I think what I will say is apologies for my emotional outburst in my last three episodes because. We've had an hard week and folks that listened to it on, on sort of Thursday heard my mood and then today it's been a bit of a laugh. But I think, um, yeah, apologies if I've been negative and it's been very Leeds heavy in parts. But um, when things are going bad, it tends to be more to talk about them when things are going good at the club. But I appreciate every single listen that we get, every play that we get, every fan from both clubs that are listening to us. Obviously, I'll shout out the Twitter again like I always do. It's getting, it's getting traction a little bit. I mean, we're not, Wrecking records on social media yet, but we're over that 120 odd follower mark now. I think last time I checked, 126 followers. So to all you lot, thank you for following. So yeah, if you're not on there yet, it's obviously YNWT podcast. And again, I always say it twice. The so coffee is it's YNWT podcast. I'll let obviously Craig shout out the rest of the social media things we've got because he's set up a lot of uh, lot of great things on there. But yeah, put a few pause out on social media, haven't we? So we'll continue to do that. Watch out for Twitter accounts. We're going to do a little bit more on that in recent. Uh, sorry, in recent in coming weeks and yeah appreciate you all as often and I appreciate you as well Craig and do you know what Brooke I have enjoyed myself I might not sound like I enjoy myself but I'm an Englishman I'm a Yorkshireman who don't like a good morn so yeah I've enjoyed it as always it's been a great episode and um, as always Craig it is always a pleasure when we get together but um, more so when we record this because I think it's uh, highlighting my week sometimes actually even though it's a bit doom and gloom but yeah <laughs> appreciate it once again <laughs> Highlight on a Monday and it's downhill after that <laughs> yeah, that's it. With Leeds play again, it's like, Ooh. but no, it's uh, yeah, it's always good. I think we're uh, you know we sort of love doing this, don't we? And yeah, we keep getting feedback from people, and I keep people excited asking me. I was talking to someone yesterday, it's like, oh, what podcast is it? And now we're uh, you know the podcasts uh, were different than us because they're all one club, aren't they? But we've got a good mix. It's working, and I think yeah, we're enjoying the process. 
You um, said that to me weeks ago, and you enjoy the process, and rest will come. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to do, but um, no. It's hard to enjoy the process that minute with results. Yeah, it's not going great, <laughs> and I'm hoping, you know, you, you now on Edge from you in, in Thursday, especially we did, this will continue. You know, if Leeds get relegated, I, I, I agree it won't be as easy because we're going to be talking about two different leagues, but for me, we'll talk about Leeds results, we'll talk about Leeds previews, we'll talk about the world of football like we do, we'll cover Liverpool, Craig will cover Leeds. Nothing will change. You know, there'll be cup games, there'll be rest of it. No will change on that score, but um, yeah, I just thought we'd all get relegated. But yeah, I need to just forget about football for a couple of days. I know it sounds stupid, but I just need to relax a bit and let what happens on the road happen this week. See what see what comes at weekend, and hopefully, at some point soon, we can talk about a Leeds win again because it's been a long time coming now, hasn't it? Fingers crossed. Like I say, every week it's doom and gloom, but that's what happens when you you like us this season, isn't it? So it's always yeah, a fun and games, us, but yeah. Fun and games being a football yeah, good, fan. Yeah, for Liverpool fans once again. Congrats on your cup win, and I think that'll be me signing out on that note. I'll let Craig do his usual uh, right. goodbyes. But yeah, thank you very much for your well, time, Mark. She'll speak to you again shortly. Speak Goodbye, to you soon, Craig. Bye bye. Bye. That will Mark there um, licking his wounds again. Obviously, there was a lot of emotion involved in uh, Mr. Bielsa saying goodbye. Was he pushed? Did he walk? Plenty of questions to be asked. Again, I'd like to echo Mark's sentiment of um, thank you everybody that's listened from episode one and if you've just caught it today for your first episode thank you very much Um, on the demograph we've got a couple of countries like Germany, um, Sri Lanka, um, Canada you know there's a lot of getting listened to in a lot of different places so thank you very much for your time Um, have a lovely rest of the day, evening, afternoon whenever you've found the podcast Uh, take care of yourselves, thank you very much Uh, I'd also like to make a quick correction. Uh, I do not suggest that you drink any bleach, as previously suggested by Mark, and I do uh, wholeheartedly retract any statement that Mark made that might have offended Mr Putin, same as me, and anybody else that might have been offended. Apologies, and please don't sue. Goodbye.